You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. The following interview is from a show called Piers Morgan Interview on CNN on April 12, 2013 with Kid Rock. You've decided to nail your mast to a flat fee of $20 and $4 a beer for a 12-ounce guzzle of beer. Why are you doing it and what do you hope to achieve? It's gotten out of hand. The price of concerts, the price of entertainment, period. You know, whether it's a sporting event, going to the movies, buying a soda there, whatever. And what do I do? Obviously, a musician to play concerts. I've been very fortunate. I've always tried to keep prices what I think are fair. And I've always said I'm proud that I can walk around with my head held high and look someone in the eye knowing that I haven't taken an unhonest dollar from working man. But how can we make it better? Well, the artists come in and, and say, we want to get paid this much to show up, which is usually a lot of money. And I, I went with Live Nation. I said, how can we just go in, take everything, the beer, the parking, how, whatever the price of tickets are, and put it in a pot, split it up fairly based on the number of people that come. And they're like, you're going to have to take a pay cut. No problem. I make a lot of money. I can take a pay cut. All my friends are taking pay cuts that are in the unions, that are, that are farming in Alabama, whatever it is. I can surely take a pay cut too. Not cutting down my show or, or, or the people that work for me. I can take a pay cut. Do you know how much this is all going to cost you? Um, it, it could be from 50 to 100 grand a night, looks like. But, you know, if we do the numbers, it's not going to be that much. But, you know, if 5,000 people show up, it's going to be a long summer. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody's got to try it. I'm in a position where I can. Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z, apparently the highest ticket prices for their shows are going for about $225 each. And it is a... It's, it's garbage. You're taking family. I mean, what do you think when people... It's do garbage. That? It's garbage. It's highway robbery. I don't care who you are. You know, I would, I would consider both them, you know, you know, in a circle of friends in the business, but I don't agree with it in one. one I, I know sometimes the market determines that. So, we're gonna, so what I'm going to do for that is I'm going to scalp a thousand of my own tickets. There is a market for it. <laughs> I'm going to tell people, a lot of artists already do it. I think I've been guilty of it in the past too. We take some of our tickets, we put them on StubHub, overcharge, look what the market determines they're worth. So if you want to be guaranteed a ticket, because sometimes you buy them from a scalper, you get there, there's already someone in your seats. Mm -hmm. So the way to do that, hey, be transparent with people. Let them know. You know, it's $4 for a beer. T-shirts are going to be $20. We're gonna, people are going to be pleasantly surprised when they come in there and they see, you know, four hot dogs and two Cokes for $20. We're going to get free coffee at the end. I got Jimmy John's, you know, who, who's a, a Free spot. coffee as well? Free coffee on the This is fantastic. We have free subs outside in certain markets. You know, Jimmy John's agreed to do tastings of them there. You know, my sponsors, Harley Davidson and Jim Beam, helped to keep the ticket prices low to be able to advertise in there and things like that. So I'm just trying to go above and beyond to make it, you know, I'm crossing my fingers that it works, that people, that they're really looking for a, a good night of entertainment. It's not just me. The first leg of the tour is me, Cool, and the gang, and Uncle Cracker. The second leg is me, ZZ Top, and Uncle Cracker. $20. Every freaking seat.
Okay, Sonny, like we like to do here on the Grown Up Rock Podcast from time to time is we find a fun subject to discuss, and it brings out all kinds of people on our Facebook groups, on our Twitter groups, and they let their passion fly for the subject that we're talking about. Now, the subject that I picked out for tonight's discussion came to me through a post that I read and connected with on Facebook. And I was like, okay, this guy feels my pain. He's talking about everything that I've been screaming about for the past X amount of years. And so I hit him up and I said, hey, man, I read your post. I love it. It's very near and dear to me. Would you mind coming on and discussing this? And at first he said, who the fuck are you? Go away. And I said, no, no, no. (laughs) It's all for real. (laughs) Let's, Let's talk about it. And so I hit up our friend. He's been on the podcast before, way back in uh, Rockin' Pod 1, we interviewed Chris Green. Chris Green, guitar player with Taketo. He came on the show, talked to us a little bit way back then. And so this is the first time we're having Chris back on the show. Chris Green, welcome to the Grown Up Rock Podcast for the second time. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm not sure if I'm a grown-up enough podcast, but we'll give it a go. Well, it's all about growing up around rock and roll, and I know you did that. (laughs) All right, so let's get the elephant out of the room. There is a rumor that you hit a hole-in-one, 155 yards. Is that true, or is it false? It's 100% true. I'll show you the golf ball right now. Wow, look at that. And I'm so glad that I hit a tight list that day, because usually I play really rubbish balls. (laughs) And if I framed like some really shit ball, it would have really grip my you know what chris that thing says happy gilmore on it (laughs) actually my friends we have a joke my friends actually call me hippie gilmore that's my that's my golf name that's awesome man that actually fits really well yeah and if you saw me play you'd realize how more fitting it is yeah no doubt so chris you posted about ticket prices and the overall craziness that has been going on probably over the last, I guess, maybe five to 10 years. I can't pinpoint exactly when ticket prices started skyrocketing. And we're going to get into your post and so much more. But before we do all of that, we got to do our Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So let's get into that first. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from Nordic Union. Nordic Union consists of Ronnie Atkins on lead and backing vocals and Eric Martinson on lead, rhythm guitar, bass, keyboards, and backing vocals. It's pretty much the two of them. Eric, his full-time gig is in Eclipse. And Ronnie, he's formerly of Pretty Maids. I'm not sure that they're going to put out anything else going forward because I think Ronnie and Ken Hammer are kind of in a thing right now. But Nordic Union, this is their third album. Is that correct, Sonny? That is correct. Yeah, so they're just releasing their third album on Frontiers Records called Animalistic. And the song that I'm going to share is the title track, Animalistic. Check it out.
Okay, so I'll first say I'm glad Ronnie is still with us, right? That's yeah. that's all good. Song's got a big, fat riff, but it was interesting to me. The music is more melodic, but the vocal is more power metal. Like all of a sudden, Ronnie's sounding very, very power metal. I don't know if it's the scratchy throat or what it is. Chris, do you know these guys? Like, have you ever run of these guys? We've rubbed shoulders with a lot of those Scandinavian bands at the festivals that we play in Europe. I'm almost sure that we've played we've played with the Clips. I'm, I'm trying to think if we're ever on with Pretty Maids at any point. But I don't know the guys personally. I hear they're all very, very nice people to get on with, you know. You know what it's like. Everyone in our rock scene, especially in the American part of, I don't know what you would call it, the new wave of classic rock. Is that what they're kind of calling that genre? Yeah. I mean, it's the, but for us, it's the nostalgia genre, right? So... Uh, everyone's just batshit crazy about these Scandinavian bands. And you know what? They bring it. They bring it on stage. They bring it on the recordings. I agree with you. It's got that power metal vibe about it. It's um, I can't pinpoint where in the music it... I was thinking that when I first listened to it. I'm like, why am I feeling that a little bit of that power metal vibe to it? But I thought it sounded really good. Tick the boxes for me. Good guitar playing. Good hooks. Production's good. You know, the vocals are, are soaring. It's great. Sonny, what do you think about the album as a whole? Do you like the album? Yeah, I went through the whole album a couple of times. I don't know if it's going to has a shot to make my top 10 for 2022 just because I'm not a huge power metal guy and I couldn't get that out of my ears. Like I wanted the music to, I don't know, somehow match and there's something about it that keeps me listening, but there's something about it that's not grabbing me either. 
So that's Pretty Maids Animalistic. <laughs> no, it's not Pretty Maids. It's Nordic Union Animalistic. It has that Pretty Maids vibe to it is what I was thinking in my head. But Eric Martinson, Ronnie Atkins, go check it out if you like what we played. Pick up the album. It's out there for you to seek out. So go check it out. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like. And leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. All right, so we're going to get to some of these topics, and uh, we'll kind of start with fair pricing. So, Chris, I'm going to read you a couple of the comments that our listeners wrote, and then want to get your thoughts on, you know, how much you would pay to see maybe one of your favorite bands. Craig Moran said his wife wanted to see Bruce Springsteen up close, so he got Section C, Row 17. So I went to that venue map; it's about 50 rows back. Yeah, for April 14th, 2023. So we are now six months, right? Six, yeah. eight months out, 1370 bucks for 50th row, all right? Rich <laughs> Jensen said, I ain't paying more than 40 bucks for a club or 75 for a theater. Makes sense. Linda Giancardi said, 100 to 150 bucks you'll pay. But, you know, if it gets any higher, she's basically going to buy the T-shirt and watch it on YouTube and at the house and have wine, basically. And Nicole Beard said, if it's 100, 135 bucks, he needs to be VIP first or second role. Okay, Bruce Springsteen, I get it, but eight months out, 1300 bucks. Chris, I don't know about you, but I ain't got that kind of money laying around. Look, for me, those prices, if I had to sum it up in one word, criminal. <laughs> That's what I think. I, there's not an artist or a band on the face of this planet that works hard enough on stage to earn that kind of money. We're completely away with the fairies right now. And I know we're going to get into this, but we're stuck in a very awkward situation of if everyone would just stop buying the tickets, we may not get into this situation. But these people are selling to people our age. They know that a lot of these people have expendable incomes. But as far mm -hmm. as the ticket price itself, it's absolutely fucking criminal that that amount of money is getting charged for someone to sit in the 50th row of a shot. Steven, isn't this disposable income going to die off though? I mean, it will die off. Like we're not going to live forever. My kids do not care about Bruce Springsteen. I can tell you that right now. I just don't understand where the money keeps coming from because I mean, essentially we're talking about a piece of entertainment that's going to last you for the night. Now I understand some people go, well, you're creating memories. You're buying memories. I get that. I really do. And some of my favorite memories as a kid were attending a Van Halen concert or a Judas Priest concert or a Rush concert or whatever I saw. I mean, this podcast is built on a lot of those memories, so I do get it. But I also was a kid working a paper boy job raising $10.50 to buy the ticket because that's what it cost. $10.50 is the price I paid to see Van Halen in 1982 in Alabama. That's what I paid. And there were no ticket fees. And I bought that ticket at Sears of all places uh, because they were the ticket outlet. And by the way, the tickets back then were super cool looking, right? They had the raise uh, printing on them and stuff like that. It wasn't some printout ticket. So I couldn't afford it myself to pay that kind of price. I just don't know where this money's. Is there that many doctors and lawyers and, you know, internet moguls alive that pay to go see these shows? And Chris, where's this money going? Like you got a booking agency. I'm assuming it's not going to end up going in your pocket. So where's it going? 
first of all, I'm going to address something that I don't think really gets brought up enough here. And that is, we all know that Ticketmaster and Live Nation who are in bed with each other are an extremely evil entity. When 2020 hit and all everything started shutting down, they started coming out with these new uh, rules saying that, you know, if bands cancelled, they have to, like, they owe Live Nation the, the fee that they were going to get. Just like ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous stuff that they were changing to try and cover their own asses. But what most people don't know, and I know this because we started booking shows at an amphitheatre here in Atlanta, is when we booked our first band, they got back to us and said, okay, great, do you want to buy back your 8% of your tickets? And I was completely green to this, and I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And there's three of us in that separate company. We have Classic Kingdom Entertainment, which is the um, company I have the books, tribute bands and cover bands and stuff like that. And then we have Classic Kingdom Events, which puts on larger events, right? So there's three of us in Classic Kingdom Events. And um, Doug and Reed are my business partners. And Reed's the guy that I kind of dealt a lot more with these larger venues. And I just couldn't get my head around. What do you mean buying back 8% or getting sold back 8% of the tickets? And we went backwards about five times, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, before I finally realized what he was saying. Live Nation sells 8% of the tickets back to the promoter to sell to the secondary market, to scalpers. So what they're doing is they're encouraging this shit to happen. People are saying, a lot of the people that commented on that post I made regarding Mastodon, I was upset about the ticket prices because I fucking love them and I just thought the tickets were too expensive. But you got this situation where the bands that commented, friends of mine, are saying it's the scalpers that are the problem. Like the venue is now having to set its price because the scalpers, if they're selling a ticket for 1500 and the venue's only selling them for blah, 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 the venue's missing out on money. It's not particularly a theory I believe in myself. But Live Nation is obviously perpetuating this by telling these promoters, here, do you want these 8% to go into the regular pool or do you want to buy them back to sell to the secondary market, which is like Vivid Seats or any of those other kind of places? So buy them back, sell them to those people. Those people will scalp them and sell them for double to triple the price. Then the venue plays catch up and matches their prices to the scalping. So straight away, there's a real big problem with the situation. And I think it would help because both Chris and myself, we have a little bit of insight into how things work behind the scenes. And we should talk about your original post, Chris, so that it gives context to what we're, you know, what this whole conversation is based off of. Okay. So the post that you originally put, let me just read it real quick. To put these recent concert ticket prices into perspective, imagine it being 1990, the year I saw my first concert, and having to find over $400 for a concert ticket. Half of what I paid for my first car a few years later. I saw White Snake, Aerosmith, Poison, Choir Boys, and Thunder. What a great concert that must have been at a one-day festival for 20 pounds in 1990. That'd be like seeing the same lineup for about 50 pounds now. Compared to the current $1,000 tickets for good seats at these multi-band bills like the Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison uh, Stadium show, there's no signs of this slowing down. Quite the contrary. So my question is this. At what point do fans say, I'm just not going to pay that? Or are these bands relying on the fact that their fan base is now at the age where they've got more expendable income and they're capitalizing on that? 
Of course, there are obvious fees, Ticketmaster, Live Nation are pure evil, and there are cost, etc. But when you're hearing rumors that bands are getting over a million bucks net per night, is this really something we want to buy into? And you are interested in everybody's views, and, and boy, did you get a lot of feedback on that. Sonny posted something that was much more simplistic and to the point. We got a bunch of response on that. That's what this podcast uh, discussion is centered around. And obviously, we're very passionate about it. One of the first things is, let's take a band like Metallica. Mm -hmm. So Live Nation goes to Metallica and says, hey, we'll give you X amount of money for X amount of dates. We're going to do the tour, right? So we're going to do the whole U.S. tour, and it's 100 shows, and we're going to give you this price for that 100 shows. And they give them a flat fee and then they work off of percentages based on number of ticket sales, et cetera, et cetera. What a lot of people don't know is, yes, Live Nation and Ticketmaster are basically the same company. But on top of it, they also own several of these third party resellers. I saw a lot of people commenting on Sonny's post saying, well, that's a reseller. You're, you're showing a reseller's price. Yes, that's true. And you can a lot of times go out to the actual Ticketmaster website the day of the show and get a ticket for way cheaper than what the guy next to you is paying if the show's not selling all that well. So there's a lot of ins and outs that go into ticket sales. It's not like the old days where it's just, this is what the concert cost and the promoter is making money off the ticket sales. It's not like that anymore. That's not how it works, right? Or you're a band that's going in thinking, I hope this sells well, because the more people that come in, the more money I'm going to make. A lot of these bands are getting fixed prices, which means that the band is able to kind of wash their hands of anything else. They're, they're able to wash their hands of how much beer is getting sold for, how much water is getting sold for, merchandising. Maybe they're selling the merchandising rights as well and taking a flat fee for that. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if bands like Metallica were probably doing that as well. I'd heard a rumor that the number was a million per player per shot. That's what I'd heard the rumor of. I'm not sure if you'd heard the same thing. But try and factor that price. A promoter's like, right, this is what it's going to cost me. Let's just say I halve that and say Metallica costs $2 million a night. That's my base price. Now I've got to add on security. Let me add on this. Let me add the venue higher. Let me add all this kind of stuff on. Then let me work in how much of a percentage I want to make. And then at that point, they're probably thinking, then let's double the fucking price of that ticket and then we'll see how we go. I mean, I feel like the band is not taking responsibility by taking those flat fees. And don't get me wrong, it's like, I get it. If someone turns around and says, hey, Chris, I know your new band, Bob's your fucking uncle, wants to go out and do this tour and we're going to pay you a million bucks a night. You don't have to worry about a thing. It sounds amazing. But if it's too good to be true, right? I mean, Ticketmaster or Live Nation, they're not offering that money to people thinking, oh, I've got a chance of losing. Right. There's back-end deals for merchandise, for concessions, um, parking, you know, right. anything you can imagine that can be sold at that point, it's going to be sold. And all of that has perpetuated those ticket rises. And the one thing I want to quickly say there, I had to kind of eat my hat a little on my post because, yes, the link that I put in there was for a resale site. Mm -hmm. But when I went to the actual site, you'll see that even when you go for the Live Nation site, the seating being sold by the venue and resale tickets for sale on the same site. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, oh, okay, well, yeah, well, there's two seats next to each other, but one's blue and one's red. If I go on the blue one, it says 
resale ticket only is $200, they're not going to put a $55 ticket next to that. Right. They're going to raise their prices to match what the resale price is. At least till the day of the show. So, Chris, with stuff like Gigantor, Rockfest in Wisconsin, Rockfest had Disturb, Shinedown, Evanescence, Hailstorm, Lamb of God. Like, yeah. these guys are doing like $80 tickets, $100 tickets. Are they doing that just because of volume, just sheer volume of the people that are there? You know what? I don't have a straight answer for that. But when you said you wanted to talk to me about this subject, I thought about the bands that I still want to see. And I thought, you know what? I'm only going to go and see them if I see them at a festival because I can pay. 200 bucks and go to a festival and see 30 bands, maybe five of which I want to see. You do the math. What am I paying? 40 bucks, 50 bucks a ticket, see each band. And I'm the kind of person, I like a 60 minute set. You know, like I like it. They come out, it's, it's always like all the hits, it's all guns blazing. It's not like a two and a half hour set with a 45 minute encore. Uh, that's, that's the way I'm going to go. I'll go and see them at festivals, see a shorter set and see it for a fraction of the price. That very thing that you just said, Chris, is the exact reasoning that I use when I go to pay a big fat price for a Monsters of Rock cruise ticket. Because, yes, it is a big cash price. That is true. But I'm getting a cruise with all the food paid for, with a room, with a room that literally in five minutes I can be down in a beautiful theater watching Taiketo on stage play an hour set not once but twice so i make that reasoning because throughout the course of that entire five days that, that cruise is i see probably somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to twelve concerts a day maybe throughout the entire day somewhere in and around there so do the math on that that's my reasoning for doing more and i don't have to see it in like this huge festival i think that's the band on stage five miles away i don't have to see it like that i get pretty fairly up close and personal with either a theater show or a pool deck show or uh studio b whatever uh, mm -hmm. but that's a value to me and i love that and you're gonna get you're probably gonna bump into 90 percent of the bands as well on the cruise and you're gonna get to meet them now here we go let me get a sip of my wine because this is like soapbox part two about to kick in now <laughs> because this shit really bugs me i have to be very careful here because i have a lot of friends in well-known bands but the majority of them do this and i think that the concept of paying to have your photograph taken with someone is also disgusting do you remember when you used to be able to you'd have to hang out in the back alley behind a venue or try and find out from a friend where's the hotel that like they're staying at and maybe you'd be able to you know, get to meet them or have a quick photo. Now it's just like, if you've got enough money, you can meet any of these people. If you've got enough money, you can get them to play your back garden. You know, I've seen it happen. The concept of the meet and greets, the golden tickets, the, the kind of capitalist way of like pay more and get more, it just doesn't sit well with me. I have mixed feelings about this, and I'm going to defend you as a musician a little bit here. So... I think the bands that charge ridiculous $1,000 meet and greet tickets to take a picture behind plexiglass or whatever, I think that's crazy and ridiculous. But at the same time, I asked the 15-year-old me, would I have paid if I knew that I could go backstage at a Van Halen concert and meet Eddie Van Halen 
and David Lee Roth. And I got to tell you, I would be really tempted. Now, it depends on what the price is, but I also know there are bands out there that do it right and charge a reasonable amount that people can pay and they get, you know, a bag full of cool little goodies and they get an actual hangout, get to talk to people type things. And at the same time, bands aren't selling albums anymore, so they have to do something and I know that a lot of those meet and greets pay, you know, some of the lower income bands to make it across the country. So I understand it from that standpoint. I'm going to go one deeper because all the friends I have are here. So I can talk about whoever the hell I want. So $1,500 for Kiss Behind Glass is absolute bullshit. And yes. Kiss is my second favorite band of all time. I love Kiss, but that's right. ridiculous, right? Right. But in four days, I'm going to see Richie Cotton at the Blue Room in Harrison, Ohio, first of all, for 25 bucks, and the service fee was 380 okay? Second, for 100 bucks, I get to go to the sound check. I get to meet him, signed autograph, signed poster, and get to talk to him for a little while. You know what? That's worth the 100 bucks to me because I want to support Richie Cotton. Okay. I mean, that's valid points. I mean, it's, there's obviously a scale to this thing, right? If a band is struggling to get across the country – and they're offering, hey, man, if you pay an extra 10 bucks, you can come in to soundcheck or something. And, and there's this feeling of supporting the artist. Then, of course, man, you know, like you can tell it gets under my skin. But I understand the industry has kind of sucked musicians dry of royalties, of record sales, of, you know, a lot of that stuff that we saw happening in the late 80s and the early 90s that kind of stuff. At the same time, I just still think that you should be able to get your value for money. So what you're saying, 100 bucks. $25 for the ticket, but for $100, you are going to get to uh, meet the band, watch the sound check. If you feel like that's worth the money and you feel like that's helping the band, then that's great. I'm personally not going to do that just because I wander out after every single show. I go and take photos with fans. I'm cognitive of the fact that whether they've paid $25 or $5 or $55, if I'm out there and they're seeing me and I just happen to be there, then you know, then yeah, let's snap a picture. Let's get a picture. Let's, you know, I'll even chat with them a bit. Yes. If you're getting swag and you're getting like, like if they're putting together something for you, that's like, look, we're really trying to make this worth your while here. Let's help each other out. You've always wanted to meet this band. We're going to make this worth your while. But like you said, when you've got bands that are charging a thousand dollars and they're standing behind plexiglass and it's like, snap, snap, see you later. And to be fair, I'm probably going to get skinned for this one, but if you've been in the VIP situation on Monster Rock, they heard you through like cattle. The bands don't have any choice in that. It's just moved through extremely quickly. And it's like, and I know that there are bands that feel really bad about that. Like the, they feel certain VIP experiences aren't what they should be for the money that you're paying extra. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to send you guys on a, man, This we might be next level here because I couldn't believe I read this. So Charles Brock says, I just passed on tickets for ZZ Top and Jeff Beck at the amphitheater 10 minutes from my house because there were 300 bucks for two tickets. Okay, got that part. But the venue wanted to charge an extra $30 per seat for seat backs. What in the hell is that shit? Just so I understand this properly, are you saying the venue is going to charge $30 to have a back on your seat? Correct. But is that an option? If you don't pay the 30, they'll pull the back off. I guess. It's it's probably <laughs> my guess is my guess is it's bleacher style. 
and these are the seat back things that you put on the bleachers. I guarantee you, because they got them at football games, right? I get. By the way, if whoever that person is that wants to see Jeff Beck, he's playing in Atlanta. I looked up tickets today; they're fifty nine dollars. <laughs> and here's another thing, by the way, for all the other people that can't stand um, Live Nation, that you probably don't realize this: that if you go to the venue, most venues will waive the Live Nation fee. So, if you don't want to pay it, walk up to the box office and get them. I found that out when we booked bands. And we booked this band and we tried to do charity tickets, right? Here's another thing. Live Nation will not let you give your tickets away to an event. Like, <laughs> even for a charity, they won't let you give them away. Like, you can put $1, but it will still be about $15 in fees that they will charge you even if you have a code to get the charity deduction. So for us, we sold them for 15 bucks, but the fees doubled it to 30 and we, we messaged them, said, look, what can we do? And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Give them away. It will cost them $15. So a free ticket is 15 bucks. <laughs> there, there have been a few different club concerts that I literally would not pay to go see because the ticket was like a $10 ticket and the fee was $10 or more, $12 for the fee. So I didn't pay. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The fee is actually more expensive than the $10 ticket. Hell no, I won't do it on principle alone. I literally will not do it on principle alone. And, and let me point out here, because we're, we're very passionate. We're talking about this stuff. And it's a lot like streaming services. And Sonny and I talked a little bit about this before we started recording. But we talk about Live Nation and Ticketmaster, and they're the biggest. And that's probably why we use them a lot. But it's a little bit like saying, you know, Google something, even though you're using Microsoft Edge. There are other companies out there that are doing the exact same thing access tickets. I recently bought hailstorm tickets that were 40 bucks a piece for the hailstorm tickets, but there was a $25 convenience fee and a $4 facility fee for the tickets. So I ended up buying two tickets and almost having to buy a third ticket in convenience fees. This was access tickets. This was not Live Nation or Ticketmaster. Right. So there are companies out there, there are clubs out there that charge fees, convenience fees, things like that, that are pretty ridiculous. It's just that we all seem to lump them under Ticketmaster and, and Live Nation. And I just, I want to be fair about it, right? So yeah, I thought I would point that out. Ticketmaster. <laughs> that surprised me. That surprises me. You're very generous with your love. You're very nice people. Well, Ticketmaster is settling a class action lawsuit for overcharging customers. And as part of the settlement, they're giving out $5 million in free concert tickets, obviously minus a $3.5 million processing fee. <laughs> and here's the thing, okay? Anyone is eligible if they use Ticketmaster between 1999 and 2013. So you're included whether you saw Smash Mouth at their prime at the Staples Center or just a few years later in a parking lot of the Staples. So what they're doing is giving out free tickets to other concerts as part of the settlement. Sounds great, right? But here's the catch. 
Ticketmaster just unveiled the list of available concerts, and it's a who's who of definitely not the who. <laughs> Some of the concerts they're offering in New York City include a Black Sabbath cover band, a Rolling Stones cover band, and a Guns N' Roses cover band. What gives, Ticketmaster? If I want to see a lame Guns N' Roses cover band, I'll go see Guns N' Roses. Because it's just, it's, it's so ridiculous, some of this thing. I really want it to pinpoint in my own brain. I remember concert prices, the original concert prices, 10 bucks a pop when I was a kid. Okay. But when I grew up and became an adult, I remember, you know, $25, $30 to go see a big concert in an arena. So when did ticket prices go from $25, $30 in an arena to $500, $600, $800? When did that happen? And I think that most of that happened when the big conglomerate that was, I think it was Clear Channel at one point before it was Live Nation, bought up all the individual market promoters. Because if you remember, there used to be individual market promoters in every region of the country. You had Beaver Promotions, you had uh, Cellar Door, you had Concert Southern here in Atlanta owned by Alex Cooley. All these individual promoters were bought up by this big conglomerate. And I think that that's the time when all these ticket prices started to skyrocket. I think the Vegas residencies didn't hurt either because the minute people found out that you can charge basically whatever you want in Vegas and people will come see you, I don't think that hurt the ticket pricing either. It's really hard for us to like stay focused on this. It's like, where, where's the enemy? Like, who's the person responsible for this? Because it's a seven-headed dragon, right? Um, mm-hmm. Let me try and defend the artist for a second, even if I can do that. Let's say that the reason that they are saying that this is fair is because they don't have another income stream anymore, because they don't have record sales. Let's just say that maybe the birth of the MP3 may have been around the time that there was a shift and bands were like, well, shit, if we're not getting money here, how are we going to make it? Like T-shirts, well, what? How much for T-shirts? 10 bucks or something? What are you paying for a T-shirt? 15, 20. Yeah. 15, 20. Okay. So with, so that's probably about, with inflation, that's probably stayed around the same, right? Yeah. Unless you get a Kiss shirt, which is like 75 bucks now, but yeah, normal bands. Yes. Yeah. So really maybe the income stream about loss, you know, loss of income through illegal downloading, record sales, this kind of stuff. If you're a musician, you're used to whatever income these guys are making. Uh, you're thinking, well, we need to make that up. So where are we going to make that up? And the bottom line is it's the fan. The fan's always going to be the person that's paying. You know, like they're the only people that are going to pay. It's not like people, but I guess there's people that will come in and sponsor them and they'll get a certain amount of money through sponsorships and stuff like that. But it's just the inflation thing is completely out of whack. That 20 pound ticket that I was talking about from Monsters of Rock in 1990 to see five incredible bands, the booking fee was £1.50. I'm pretty sure if anyone is listening to this and has their ticket in front of them, I think it was £20 plus £1.50. So what are you paying there? Around 30 bucks US, right? Yeah. That's not bad. But the percentage of the booking fee is realistic. You're like, they have to print my ticket out. They have to put a stamp on an envelope. They have to send it to my house. Whereas now it's like, okay, well, you can literally download your ticket as soon as you click pay. But that one click has just cost you an extra five, seven dollars or six. That is correct. Now, one thing I will say 
because people say that all the time. In fact, I said that at one point in time. But one thing I will say is that I would imagine that these companies have to spend quite a bit of money on cybersecurity. Because if you think about it, these companies got everybody's credit card number, all kinds of information. So cybersecurity, I think, is a, a real concern. And I know there's a lot of the like fly ticket, ticket fly, something like that. There's been a couple of those uh, cheesy ticket companies that have gotten hacked for sure, because I get notices going, your information may be compromised, change your password, that kind of shit. So that's got to be a pretty real thing these days. So, Chris, let me share this one thing with you. 
as a glimmer of hope. Now, I don't know what happened in the resale market afterwards, and I'm not a huge Garth Brooks fan. I'll just say that much. He played here in Cincinnati at the stadium, hold 70,000, sold out in 75 minutes. All-inclusive ticket, $94.95, that's it. Every ticket in the place was $94.95. Front to back? Front to back, 75 minutes, 70,000, done. Now, $94.95, 70,000 is somewhere in the neighborhood of $6.9 million. Now, this is through Ticketmaster. So is Garth driving that, saying, I'll play, but you're going to do X? Is that Ticketmaster trying to just sell out a stadium? There's no other way to sell out that stadium. And you only got to pay Garth maybe $2 million? I don't know what's driving that. That does not sound like a cutthroat massive corporation. That sounds to me like an artist that says, listen, man, old school, years ago, tickets were just tickets. And what you do is you queue outside the fucking venue. And if you want to queue up long enough, you're going to get down the front, you know? And if you want to come late, then you're going to be at the back. Or if when it's seating... If you're going to do one price for every single ticket, if you want a good ticket, then shit, you're going to be up at whatever, four in the morning, ringing that number and just like redial, redial, redial. I like that. But that sounds like an artist saying, I'm going to insist that we do this. Because I'll go back to the point when we booked our first amphitheater that was um, that we had to use Live Nation, we set the prices. From front to back, we set the prices. We could have made them $5. And price scaling just seems to be part of what is everyday ticket sales now you know front rows 100 bucks midsection 75 back you know maybe right at the back you're paying 30 bucks or something but that's just how it seems to be now right yeah but i like that and i mm-hmm. wish that we went back to that that'd be amazing i agree with you 100 percent, chris that is a powerful artist saying you want my business you're gonna do it my way end of story Maybe one of your podcast listeners just happens to be a mole in Live Nation that's like, you know what? I'm going to fuck the system on these Garth Brook tickets, man. I'm going to make every ticket 100 bucks. You know, I hope there's people like that in the, in the company as well. Let's go back to something you talked about earlier, which was uh, some of your listeners talking about how much am I prepared to pay for a ticket? So let's talk about that because I have a number in my head. I'm a 50 buck guy. See a band in a club, I think 50 bucks is pretty good. I think 50 bucks is more than enough to go and see a band play. That's Uh, all in, right? Yeah, just 50 bucks. I mean, shit, you know, if I have to pay 59 with a fee, and even that's like, fuck, come on, man. You're raking me over the coals here with a, you know, what is that, 20% increase. All right, if it's got to be 59, I'll pay 59. Three figures, I probably need to know every word of every song and maybe even have a man crush on one of the fucking guys in the band. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> four figures and i'm probably thinking to myself i just need to get in the venue so i can go after him for that alimony or child support or something like i, I don't even know why you pay that amount of money to see someone like what's going on in your head to pay four figures to see? these are human beings and they're at the tail end of their career when they're not as good as they were at the beginning it's like you know what i'm gonna go into this supermarket and I know there's that fucking really lovely green apple over there that's like a dollar, but I think I'm going to go and pay five bucks for that fucking one that's kind of rotting on the corner. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, you're paying extra money to see people that aren't as good as they were back in their heyday. Or don't contain all the original members. So I'll tell you, 50 bucks is a good number for me in a club. Absolutely. And I'll give you some examples. So Lita Ford and Firehouse were here at a club. $82. I could not wrap my head around 
$82 for Lita and Firehouse. I'm sorry. I love both of them. That's a lot of money for those two bands, right? Or Skid Row played a theater here. So Skid Row, Winger, Warrant, $500 for the front row. It was $24.95 for the back row. So I paid $24.95 and I stood in the back row and watched a great show for $24.95. Yeah, I would have stood next to you. <laughs> <laughs> I would have stood right next to you, mate. That's my kind of jam right there. See three great bands for 20 something dollars. I'm all about that. My lasagna sauce is tasting real good. I had a quick look at it while I was getting my gin and tonic. <laughs> oh, we moved We've up been to, gin and, to gin and tonic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I asked wine and talk about this, and now I'm like, no, nah, give me a cocktail. So, Chris, as an artist, like, would you rather have a flat fee, or would you rather have part of the door, or do you even get to choose that when you're going to go on tour? I've experienced both. I mean, there are bands where you get a flat fee, but the person in charge of the band is winging it and hoping that you're going to sell good. Effectively, kind of being like a promoter where it's like, you know, sell big, win big, but regardless, the guys are getting paid. I have come away from month-long tours with zero dollars and zero cents in my pocket because of certain stuff that has happened on the road that's gone wrong, whether it's down to sickness of a member, where shows have had to get cancelled, hotel rooms, vans breaking down, stuff like that. I've been involved with most of the um, situations and scenarios. I ain't been involved with a, hey, do you want a million dollars? We'll pay you millions a show and don't worry about it after that. I've never been involved in that kind of thing. But I've been involved in every other kind of situation. And I don't know. It's um, it's a very different world for me. I, I hang around with a lot of these bands, but I don't have any experience of, yeah, I get paid six figures a night or even the seven-figure wage that you're hearing these people are getting from these shows. It's astronomical for me. So I have to try and scale it down to make sense of it. But even at that point, I still just can't help but think that the fans are always the people that are taking the punch in the face, you know? And these bands are relying on the fact that we are. I'm a devoted fan myself, you know? It's like, I, I may be a musician, but I'm a fan of music. I love bands. I want to go and see Jeff Beck coming up, and it's $59. And I feel like that's an amazing price to go and see one of the world's best guitar players on the face of this planet. Or I can pay 10 times that to see someone that couldn't even do what he does if they spent every minute for the rest of their bloody life trying to work out what he's up to, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, there are artists that are fighting the resale thing. So I'm going to give you two examples that have happened to me, right? So when Prince was alive, saw him on a, in a club in San Francisco, it was expensive to see him. It was, I think, 250 bucks a ticket or something like that. But there was no ticket. You had to show your ID and the credit card you bought it with when you got there. You cannot scalp it. There's no way to scalp it. I just saw Ron White, the comedian, and he did the same thing. There's no ticket. You ain't getting in without your ID and the credit card you paid with. And these are at 
the, you know, the club that Prince played only had 800 people. He made a good chunk of money. He gave a bunch of it to charity on the way out of Oakland. So that he does what he does. And Ron White made a good amount of money at the theater. But there are artists that are kind of fighting the resale market. It just doesn't seem like enough of them are maybe. Well, I mean, we all know Pearl Jam tried to and failed miserably. Oh, they did? Well, yeah. I mean, that was a big thing, right? Pearl Jam tried to fight Ticketmaster. And this was when they were at the height of their popularity. I mean, they were huge and it didn't work out for them. Uh, You know, they couldn't figure out how to make it work. You remember that, don't you, Chris? I don't remember much these days, mate, but. (laughs) (laughs) Might be the gin and tonic. (laughs) I've only had that much of it. I'm already reminiscing about the days when we used to get like real good money, you know, when I used to play. Look it up. That was an infamous battle between Ticketmaster and Pearl Jam. And they, for whatever reason, couldn't make it work out. Now, I think they're still trying to do something to this day with their concerts, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what they do special. So I'm going to give an example of what Taiketo started doing. We actually started going direct to venues. And they have to be non-Life Nation venues, by the way, because... This is how, let me get to that in a second. Let me get to that in a second. Um, we would go direct to a venue and just say, look, how much is it to rent the place? We're confident that we have a good crowd in this place. And then we're able to set a ticket price that we think is reasonable accordingly. And then just hope that it's going to sell well. And we ended up doing better with certain shows that way. Now, that's a big gamble on the band's behalf because it, it's not just like, oh, yeah, and throw the tickets up and hope that they're going to sell. You know, you network, you get on Facebook, you make sure that you're interacting with your fans and tell them that you're going to be in the area and all that kind of stuff. But that is one way I guess you could get around it. The point I was going to get to there is that Live Nation, I think, has basically gone into a lot of these venues, not just for the bands, but they've gone to the venue owner and said, hey, listen. I think you've got a venue of a lot of potential here. How about if I take the headache out of this whole situation? I will find the bands. I will book the bands. I'll bring them into the venue and I'll give you a cut of what's going on. I mean, that sounds great, right? Well, in a lot of cases, they own the venues, right? I mean, they own some of these clubs. They own some of these arenas. They own some of these amphitheaters. They own the venue. So, yeah, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, this is the problem. It's a monopoly. Like we talk about Live Nation, there are, of yes. course, and not just like, but Ticketmaster, you know, there are other people that are doing exactly the same thing that maybe this is what's perpetuating these like ridiculous ticket prices. But when you have a monopoly on a market, it's very hard to fight back. And maybe we're at the situation like you're just talking about there with Pearl Jam. Maybe we're at the situation where even if the bands wanted to fight back, do they really have the power to turn around and say, or even trust? the venue to say, listen, we want to make sure that nobody gets charged more than $50 for a ticket. I don't think the bands have that power anymore. Even if they had the the will to want to do that for their fan base, do, do you think they have the power to do it? No. Now, one of the other questions that keep coming up is I paid for a ticket and either, you know, with COVID it got postponed or I'm paying for a ticket and the concert's not held for nine to 10 months. So like Tom <laughs> Shannon had said, like the promoters had some of my money for like three years. Like what was happening with that money? Weren't they making money off my money? Like shouldn't you have given it back to me? Chris, when did it start that I pay for a ticket and the concert doesn't happen for 10 months? When did that start? I thought the same thing. My God, I've had these like rants with my mates. But on that, those fuckers 
probably got like mutual fund accounts that's got millions of dollars in, making hundreds of thousands. And I don't know, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, maybe they're robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, maybe they're using that money to book another tour so their money's always in play. You know, maybe that's what's going on. Stevens, any thoughts on that? Because you've run into that. You wanted your money back for a while on a thing. We'll, we'll leave out who it was because we don't want to make them mad. But uh, you had some money out there you wanted back? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy that they just like, I don't know whether it was you. Uh, well, it was you who was talking about tickets went on sale almost a year in advance. Yeah. So they're taking your money, which could be, I mean, look, if you want to pay the financial game, they're taking money that could be sitting in the bank, making you more money and they're using it and they're leveraging your money to pay for other things within their company for something that's not going to happen for another year. That's genius. If you're a financial expert, it's genius. I mean, let's call it what it is. But it's also, to Chris's point, when you start thinking about it, it's very criminal. And it makes you crazy when you start thinking about some of these things. Look, nobody could predict COVID. uh, And COVID really just literally crippled everybody in the entertainment industry, period whether you're making movies or making music or promoting shows or uh, you have a club that sells liquor, it crippled it. And nobody could see that coming. But, you know, things are getting back to where they need to be. It doesn't change the fact that these ticket prices are out of control. Yeah. It shouldn't be allowed to take someone's money for a specific thing. Like, so I want to go and see, I want to go and see Aerosmith and I've paid $100 to go and see them and it gets canceled. Or it gets postponed for a year, and then it gets postponed for another year. First of all, I think they would. It should be demanded that they open the books and make sure they are not actually making money off of that money, because mm-hmm. it is criminal to take money off of someone for something and then take that money and go elsewhere with their money. That just sounds really dodgy to me. It does. A lot of the refunds, man, I know a lot of people said, well, I bought tickets to this and, and they wouldn't refund me even after the show is canceled. I take that with a grain of salt because I know that there's wording in the contract that says you've got to do this, this, and this, and we'll refund your money. And a lot of times people don't read. People don't like to read. So people don't read the fine print and don't do what it says you need to do to get your refund. And then they go and bitch about not getting a refund. I've seen it more times than not. I bought tickets to Mammoth WVH and Dirty Honey at the Tabernacle here in Atlanta. Uh, Reasonable price. I was excited to see the show. And WVH uh, had COVID, canceled their part of it, but the show still went on. Dirty Honey was still playing. I like Dirty Honey, don't get me wrong, but I already saw them. And I was paying that ticket price to see Mammoth WVH. So... I got my refund. I mean, I asked for a refund. They gave me a refund because that's not what I paid to see. So, you know, it wasn't a problem for me. Did you get all the fees and everything? Was it the same dollar amount? Correct. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, the other thing that comes up. So this whole resale market and buying tickets last minute, I'm a planner. I'm sure the three of us at some point are planners. And it's one thing if I want to go see Richie Cotton by myself or go see Def Leppard by myself, but if I'm taking my lady. I got to plan this damn thing out. So waiting till the last minute to hope that the tickets are a quarter of the price, 
you're basically forcing me to the resale market. And honestly, technically it's safer than it was in 1985. So it's not some scalper who I don't know has got a gun in front of the venue trying to sell me some ticket that I don't even know it's real. Like it's, this is a safer right. way to do it. But Chris, I just don't see a choice. Sometimes I'm backed into it. I don't got a choice. Well, doesn't this play into the same thing I was talking about? Like it's our age range. Like we are in that age where it's like there's kids or there's grandkids or there's jobs, there's babysitters involved. That You know, there's planning. Maybe I've got to get a hotel you know, it spreads out. Like a night isn't just like, oh yeah, I'm going to go and see this band and they're 10 minutes down the road. And yeah, maybe I'll go on the night. I don't know. There's all these other things you have to consider, you know, when you're not like 18 anymore. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah, of course you're going to go and buy the ticket and you'll buy it at the price that they ask for because you want to make sure that you are sitting in this place on that night and it's guaranteed and you know nothing's going to go wrong. You know, yeah. I mean, and they know it. Yeah. Is there anything different happening in Europe that's different than the States on all this thing? Or has Europe got, got the same exact problem? Whenever I post anything to do with ticket prices, mostly it's English people that say what's going on over there. Like it seems to be a very American thing that these prices are just astronomical. Wow. I don't know any of my friends that have paid over a thousand pounds to go and see a band. I'm pretty sure I would have heard about it by now. <laughs> I really want to hear about it. I want to know which band you paid a thousand pounds to go and see. Because I've got to be honest, man, even if you take it back to 1990, I wouldn't have paid a thousand pounds to go and watch Pamela Anderson stripping in the local tea bar. <laughs> <laughs> but what would you pay now? <laughs> oh, I definitely paid a thousand. Yeah, I'd, wait, hang on. <laughs> 90 Pamela Anderson or 2022? <laughs> uh, that's funny. The following interview is from a show called Watch What Happens Live from several years ago. The interviewer is Andy Cohen and the two ladies you will hear are Pamela Anderson and Meredith Vieira. Enjoy. I was a big fan of your Tommy Lee sex tape. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? No. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, did you make Did you make a mint off of that? I made not one dollar. Are you, well, I no, thought you guys it was made a deal. Property. No, we made a deal to stop the shenanigans and stop all the, like, I was seven months pregnant with Dylan and I was thinking it was affecting the pregnancy, the stress, and I no. said, I'm not going to court anymore. I'm not being deposed anymore by these horny, weird lawyer men. Right. I don't want to talk about my vagina anymore or public sex, anything. Yeah. So, you know, it was stolen property. We never, either of us made anything wow. from it and it was stolen and, you know, Bob Guccione tried to offer us millions of dollars. We said no. Um, and it was already out at that time. Damage wow. was done. So and we just said, no way, we're not getting involved in that. That was I... the first time something like that ever happened, wasn't it? Right. And then everyone's followed yeah, suit yeah. with intentional ones. Right. We never did that. I figured that you, like the Kim Kardashian Ray J thing, wound up making mint never, off of it. No, we never made a dollar. Wow. No. I'm so... I've never made a dollar from, off of my vagina. You did <laughs> Off of your vagina? <laughs> I have not. Okay, thank you. I have not. I know. I haven't been offered yeah. a dollar either, but you I've may, never made a dollar. You may plead the fifth or not. Uh, <laughs> Melissa A. wants to know, is Tommy Lee still the biggest penis you've ever seen? Oh, no. No. <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. I have good karma or something. Wow. I don't have seen a small penis. I don't okay, know. That's great. He you, that was oh. yeah, that was impressive. Let's go back to the ticket price we're talking about. Like, let's say ninety nine, you're paying twenty bucks a ticket or something. What does that represent in terms of a week's wage? You know, I'm trying to get an idea. If, if people are paying a thousand a ticket here for a concert, and let's say the median wage across the country is fifty grand or fifty two grand, wage. so that's like a week's wage just to go and see a, a band, right? Yeah. Is that good? Is it bad? How do you? What do you think? I think it's ridiculous. I mean, listen, <laughs> Sonny likes to call me cheap. And you are. <laughs> I like to call myself frugal. So for me, it's got to be a value. 
uh, I do a money versus value. And yes, it's all in my head, but that's how I operate. It is what it is. So when I look at paying, let's say a thousand bucks for a concert, which by the way, I would never do, never have done. When I look at that and say, okay, somebody paid a thousand bucks for a concert that's going to last two and a half, three hours. It's going to be one night. I can literally book at the right time of year, my wife and I, a very nice balcony cabin on a seven day cruise to the Bahamas for that same price, which is the better value. I mean, honestly, which is the better value? And I don't care who's playing that show. It can be Jimi Hendrix opening up for Led Zeppelin. A thousand bucks is not, it's just not a value for me. Well, I'm just saying for, for Hendrix and Zeppelin, I might go a thousand at this point. <laughs> but I'll watch it on YouTube the next day. Somebody will be streaming it. Okay, so this is the other thing. This is like this is probably where the old aging bit of musician comes really in here. I'm like, hang on a second. Why would I pay all this amount of money? They're probably going to release a DVD. <laughs> I think like one of your your listeners was saying, I'll just grab a bottle of wine, grab the DVD. I'm forty bucks in, and I'm in the comfort of my own home where I don't have to queue up for the toilet. <laughs> you know, I got. Perfect sound system. I can pause it in case I want to grab my dominoes from the front door or something. You know, sometimes that's where I'm at. You know, like get the DVD and I can watch the concert like a, a billion times or something. Oh, I've got a really good idea. How about this? If bands are saying that they're concerned that they're not making record sales anymore, why not include a CD in the price of a concert ticket so if they play in front of 5 million people across the States on a tour, they'll get to claim 5 million sales. There are some bands that are smart enough to do that. Bon Jovi did it this last album that they had out or the one before it. It makes sense. If you're charging a thousand bucks a ticket, I'm pretty sure. And I know what the cost of a CD is because I used to own a record company. If your dollar CD is too much for you to throw in with your thousand dollar ticket, yeah, really going wrong in your head. Yeah, I mean, that just seems like an obvious thing. Every band of any size whatsoever should be throwing in a download. If you don't even want to do physical product, let's say, here's a code for a download of our latest album. Thanks for buying a ticket to our upcoming concert. That should just be a thing. I mean, isn't that one of the major answers here? Everyone gets physical product and the band gets like recognized record sales. Then they'd have to bring the prices down because they'd have no argument against loss of income. I've even given that idea to startup bands because we got a friend in a uh, in a band in Sacramento, and I've told him I'm like, if you got people in the door on your CD release party, I wouldn't even bother selling the CD. Make sure they walk out with one, so at least there's one in their car or their house. Who cares if they use it for a coaster for their drink, whatever? Because after they leave your show, they need some reminder that they were there. Yep. Yeah. Do you think maybe we're cracking the system now? Is this is this the new way forward? Is this what we need to push the fans to do? <laughs> I, 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 now I want to go hug Garth Brooks, to be honest with you, because Garth looks like he's got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, for 100 bucks, I think Garth might be my new hero. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, we could talk about this subject all night long. I think at this point, we got to start heading for home. Chris, is there any last things that you want to say on this particular subject before we start driving this thing towards the garage? 
There is. Let me let me just like full disclosure here. I have a lot of friends in the industry, from the booking part to record companies to bands, every aspect of it, roadies, lighting, you know, product, all of that kind of stuff. We talk about this because obviously we're upset. It's costing this amount of money to go and see a band. But please understand, I know that these guys have got to make a living. I know that they've got bills to pay, alimony, child support, divorces, drug habits, I don't know, whatever they got going on. I know that they need their money. I'm not saying these guys don't deserve their money. I'm just saying that I think the system is broken and it needs to be brought to a fair middle ground where the band can get paid a good wage and the fans get value for money. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think it's very fair, and I think it also goes hand-in-hand in in some weird way with the streaming services. I think the thing as a whole needs to find some sort of middle ground, and artists are paid for what they deliver, but the fan is not literally raked over the coals for it. So, Yeah, and I'm a big supporter of my favorite bands. I want to see them live if they're here. If it's doable, I'm not going to go to a big arena show anymore. I'm a club guy, but a lot of the bands I like are only going to play the clubs anyway. And then I go to the artist website. And if there's a way to buy it from the artist, I want to buy it from the artist. Because some of this stuff, and Chris, I don't know how often you hear this kind of stuff, but some of the stuff you guys are doing, it's a soundtrack to my life. It's been there for 52 years, right? I want to thank people like that in a way that keeps their I guess whatever it is, life that they got going, livable. Here's a good thought then. Whether you're paying a hundred or a thousand or five thousand to go and see these bands, go to their website, go to the official website and support them through the website for a CD or a t-shirt sale or something like that, you know, or at least check if you're buying it at the venue, is the band getting the money? You know, is the band running the merch? Make sure the money's going to the right people, right? That's great. Well, Chris, the last time I saw you on stage was Monsters of Rock pre-party, right, Stephen? Uh, no, not the pre-party. They played the regular 2020 Monsters of Rock. Oh, yeah, you were on 2020. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that you get to meet the musicians that they're just walking around. There's some of them that don't walk around, but I absolutely love that. And I love, I can go see Taiketo in Studio B go gamble for an hour, have ice cream, go sleep for two hours, and then go see Extreme at some other, like, it's awesome. I agree with you, man. Like, there's bands that I know that I love to see, but there's like two songs that I know they play at the end of their set. I'm like, well, then I do, all right, well, so this is a little cheeky, but I'm going to go and watch the beginning of this band, but I'm going to catch the end of this sex. I know they're going to do these four songs, but that's great. Where else can you, apart from a festival, like, you know, like Donington or something like that, where else you get to just walk off and go, oh yeah, I'm going to go and check this band out. It's amazing. Your wife going to be on this next one? My wife is. Yeah, my wife won't be. She went to one. She's not really a rock fan. <laughs> so if if there was an LL Cool J crew, she'd be on it. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to explain to people. It's like, what's the Monsters of Rock cruise? Well, imagine getting around four to 5,000 drunk rock fans in about 30 bands, stick them on a boat for about five days. I let people look at me with this horrified look. They're like, what are you talking about? That sounds like disaster waiting to happen that sounds like the bloody poseidon adventure all over again or something but it's amazing right mm-hmm. yeah the way i explain it is the amount of money that it costs you to go on there it's not cheap but where else can you go where there's four to five thousand fans of the same exact thing you love the same hobby and you're all one 
There's no place else on this planet you can go where that is because even at a festival or a concert or a baseball game or anything like that, you have the looky-loos that are there because they got in cheap. But on the cruise, you got to pay to be on that. So they're all friends. We have met so many friends on those cruises. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a really, really good community. That's what I love about it. People become friends. Fans become friends very quickly. You know, you just end up seeing them. Chris was part of the Atlanta connection in Playmakers on the 2020 cruise. We had the Atlanta connection where there was like four or five of us from Atlanta. And uh, Chris was part of that conversation. And then when Chris was on stage, I was trying to figure out, you know, I think I could live just under his bell-bottom pants because he's got these really cool-looking leather bell-bottom pants that he wears on stage. And I was like, man, those look cool. Yeah, so I'm right. trying to figure out that. <laughs> yeah, they're a tent at the bottom on both sides. <laughs> I, I, uh, I may have gone a little over the top with how extravagant my stage where just for there's like about a two year period where I thought, no, let's make them bigger. We need them bigger now. Um, <laughs> you want know the best about having stage pants with the bell bottoms that big? I can wear these like super comfy like sneakers underneath them, and no one can tell. But so when you see me like kind of running around or being all like, oh, look, he's all bouncy. It's like, yes, because I'm wearing these like really, I could wear slippers under those things. You're never going to know about it unless I put my foot on the monitor. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. Yeah, so Chris, do you have any history with Kiss? Are you a Kiss fan at all? I have no history with Kiss whatsoever. Uh, I have a friend who is a diehard Kiss fan, and he took me to see Kiss. I'd seen them a couple times before, but he took me to see them last time they were in Atlanta. Where was that? That Was it, was it Verizon? They played Lakewood last. Lake, Lakewood. And he talked through pretty much the whole concert because he was such a fan. He was like, they're going to play this song next. They're going to do it this version. They're going to finish it this way. They're going to start it this way. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I didn't realize people could be that obsessed with this band. Obsessed. You came up at the same time we did. We're all about the same age. How did you miss Kiss? Just not ever interested? Or were they the cartoon guys? Or I have to be careful what I say here because I was into pretty awful music when I first got into rock music. Okay. I'm going to hold my hands up and I can't say because now I know people that are in these bands, but I was into the stuff that just was like now as a musician, I'm like, Oh my God, you idolize these people. You know, it happens. It, it, it happens. You know, Chris, although your friend obsesses about kiss, he is not some type of fortune teller. He knew everything that kiss was going to do at the show because kiss has done the exact same things at their shows for over 15 years. Yes. Same set list, same rap, same bombs, same antics for over 15 years. They never play this classic song from 1983. Enjoy fits like a glove.
right. So Chris Green, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on this. I got to ask, what's going on with you lately? Because we know that your last couple of shows with Taiketo are going to be on the 2023 Monsters of Rock cruise. As Sonny and I said, we're already going to be there. So we'll definitely touch base with you on the boat. But what else is going on? Because you've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. Yeah, so it's not just mine, but it's Mike Albini, the original drummer from Taikato. It's his last show at the same time. So it's a very, very big change for the band. But if any Taikato fans are out there, I know who the new lineup is, and it's going to be every bit as devastating. You know, it's going to be amazing, crushing live. So please keep supporting the band. They've announced that uh, publicly. It's uh, the guitar player from uh, Ches Kane's band, who will also be on the boat. Yep. Uh, Harry, I think his name is, right? Yep. Yeah, and I don't know who the drummer is going to be, uh, and I don't know if that's public or not yet. I don't think that's public yet, so I'm not. <laughs> okay. was... What else is going on? So my booking agency is really my concentration point right now, and my family. You know, my son's nine years old now. It's the age, any parent out there knows that it's the age where I need to just keep an eye on him. I just need to make sure that he is channeling in the right direction. You know, and I can't do that on a four month tour, you know, and come back and hope that he's just behaved. You know, I just, for me personally, I want to make sure I'm there for that. Um, And I have a booking agency with my good friend, Doug Ballard, uh, Classic Kingdom Entertainment. This is really would throw a spanner in the works. The fact that I would then say that I book tribute bands and cover bands, because that's a whole another argument that most people say that tribute bands cover bands shouldn't be out there shouldn't be making all this money and stuff i personally feel there's a gap in the market because of what we've talked about for that kind of thing go and see a band that's the closest thing you can get to iron maiden for 15 bucks instead of 1500 or well but that's where all my concentration is going right now and uh actually two nights ago danny the singer of taiketa was here staying with me and we played a little private acoustic show in atlanta that's awesome. I didn't get the ticket. I must still be waiting on the invite to that. Anyway. <laughs> it was. Uh, it must be uh, stopped up in the mail with your refund money. <laughs> <laughs> and that is where the hierarchy of the Atlanta crew lies. Me way down at the bottom. No, I, it's all good. Uh, so, yeah, Doug Ballard is a great musician himself. I just saw his tribute band, uh, which is called Departure, and they are an amazing Journey tribute band uh, yeah. for free because they played a big uh, town festival thing not too far from the house. So, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation that I think we're going to have at one point in time, and maybe we get you and Doug back on the show to discuss that gap in the market and the tribute bands because I think that would be a good conversation. Now, should we consider this a successful experiment? Chris Green, it's been a pleasure having you on the Grown Up Rock podcast for the second time. This conversation, like I said, could go on for days. It's a passionate conversation. I think we all feel very passionate about it because we are music fans and we just can't shell out a thousand bucks to go see some band. And unless it's Hendrix and Zeppelin, Chris said he'd shell that out, but I'll watch it on DVD. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me on here. If, to any of the listeners that made it through this entire thing, well done. Well done. And thank you. And I'll say you can figure out how to buy a car online. You can figure out how to take a photo and send it to Kingdom Come on your iPhone. Can you figure out a way to support the artists and maybe not Ticketmaster? So there you go. Till next week.
See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.